Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. This is a, the second recap of the third episode of Loki, now with uh, getting some additional conversation from Ray, who has some more comic insight here. Honestly, this was a pretty straightforward, pretty simple episode, almost like a bottle episode. So not too much mythology that needed to explore. So but we do have a conversation. We talk about other things such as just fandom in general. We talk about the success of some of the earlier Marvel shows. And we talk about The Shining for a little bit also, and just how, how much, uh, you know, whether ambiguity in um, in art is better than uh, being too literal. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Make sure you subscribe so you know when new episodes are available. If you want to hear more of just kind of high-level recap of what occurs in the episode, make sure to check out the episode immediately previous to this one, which is a little more plot-heavy, rather than this is just being kind of a conversation of our opinions of the episode itself. That previous episode also has a kind of overview of the most recent Rick and Morty episode, which I will be continuing to cover. Also, there'll be a new music episode coming out this weekend discussing some of the great music that came out in 1971. Also currently recapping the show Evil that's available on Paramount+. And of course, if you are or happen to be catching up on Mayor of Easttown, a lot of people do seem to be catching up now here at the end. We did have a recap series, a very successful recap series, uh, and if you want to listen to any of those episodes, including just a season overview of that, overall reactions to that, that's still available in this same feed. So just go back a little bit and you'll find all those episodes. So let's get into the conversation. And I will be back at the end to have a few recommendations, some things that I've been watching and I'm recommending for everybody. All right. So... I did my little recap, kind of did my overview of the episode um, previously. So uh, what are your overall uh, feelings on this episode? Interesting. Uh, you know, all I think all series need filler mm -hmm. and also to flesh out the characters. So we certainly got backstory on Sylvie slash Lady Loki. And certainly we already knew about Loki, but she has to have a period of discovery as well. So that was interesting for her discovering more about him. and. I thought that was the most interesting part of the episode was just the back and forth dialogue between the two and yep. the mental sparring that goes on and yep. who's better than who and who's going to have the better metaphor or quip back and forth. So that was entertaining. Yeah, that was definitely entertaining. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think it was not a tremendous amount of plot movement, but mm -hmm. I think we did learn a fair amount of things about the TVA, although sort of indirect, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, and I had a lot of uh, the same feeling. I kind of felt I was a little disappointed. I guess maybe because my expectations were so much higher given those first two episodes. Yeah, but um, you called it. You called it. They ended <laughs> up go back to TV. Literally, I'm like, there you go. <laughs> well, you know what? In my notes, though, I said that we both kind of called it in a way because they do directly go back to the TVA. Yeah. But then, like, within minutes, they basically end up in one of these hiding in one of these apocalyptic events. One of the other apocalyptic. So we kind of, we were right on both accounts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Although, I got to say that your version of this, uh, of them going back to um, to Asgard, if this episode had happened, you know, in the fall of Asgard, how great would this episode have been, right? So... And that, that, so I think that's a little bit of a missed opportunity, although maybe there's something like that coming later. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, you know, again, it was uh, interesting in that regards, you know, that they get on this planet and, you know, obviously the big thing is what, what is Lamentis and yeah. what kind of comic lore. And, you know, it, it did not jog my memory at all. And yeah. uh, I actually had to at least look that up 
and it was just an isolated incident. I, I think it's a, supposedly a planet that's in Cree space. Mm -hmm. You know, the Cree were the the one of the alien races that were fighting, like uh, the Xanders, you know, and that the whole Cree race uh, was always fighting them. And you saw that, you know, played out in some of the earlier MCU movies with obviously Captain Marvel and yeah. Ronin's another Cree. And I, again, the Cree kind of look like humans other than their eyes have that sort of greenish iris to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a lot of close-ups of the actors there, but a few of them did have that greenish thing. So I assume they're Cree, not humans. And Lamentis just appeared in one comic episode in 2008, and that's it. There's no real lore to Lamentis. Right. So it's another new concept. They just took a name and, and went with it, I guess. So, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, like the lament, you know, like just like that in general, oh, right? Yeah. That as a Play words for that, right? Sure. Yeah, but as far as having any more central meaning to either the comic Marvel universe or the MCU, I think it's a throwaway. I think it's just a, a place for the drama to take place more than anything else, and, and put them in a precarious situation. That I mean, at this point, they've exhausted their options. So you know, they, the most likely scenario. Is just the Mobius appearing right before the planet crushes them, right? You know, with something along the lines of, well, it was a, it was one of the apocalyptic events on our radar. Right. We figured you would be at this moment, maybe, and right. they're going to whisk them away. That's the only, I think, at this point, it's the only logical way they escape this planet at this point. And then, <laughs> with them being now brought back into custody to TVA, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I think they leave them in that cliffhanger. They leave them with like no out, basically, right? N nothing they can do to get themselves out of the cir right. circumstance. And right. I assume it's exactly that. And, you know, once again, I'm just guessing, but, you know, it would make sense if a Mobius shows up and, you know, now that he's smart enough to know to look for them there, maybe they look for, you know, not only the, the TVA news, but just generically, like, for example, maybe they report like there's these weird people on a, on a train. We don't know where they came from. So he's like looking a little deeper and he finds this kind of a blip on, in, in, in history and shows up there. Bang, they go in there. Yeah, exactly. And I, mean, uh, I assume that's how they're going to do it. I, you know, yeah. but who knows? You know, they're always throwing you curves one way or the other. Other than that, I, I, I like the parallels with uh, Loki and Thor, you know, a yeah. really a lot of uh, mannerisms you saw with Loki um, mimicking Thor, some of the partying. Like that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> At one point he does the another thing and I'm like, yep. geez, I mean, he's living it up here. You know, he's uh, certainly embodying his brother in a lot of ways at this point. And then uh, we finally saw the classic dagger toss, you know, like yep. we saw in Ragnarok and that was kind of cool. He finally got to do it, you know, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's waiting in the time the variance authorities court and he tries to do it and he just kind of, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, an interesting thing you just made me think about is it, it was that I was like, oh man, he like screwed this all up by getting drunk. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I just think about how many times, you know, his ego has basically, uh, you know, messed them up uh, in, in this series of, of films and, and shows. But then you make a really good point about him uh, emulating Thor. Thor can do that and gets away with it. So maybe that's actually, that might be a little insight into uh, into Loki. Basically, why can't I be that guy too? And of course, it doesn't work out so well when he, <laughs> when he like lets his guard down. No. Another thing I was thinking about too, by the way, is um, that I wanted to bring up to you was I had a theory early on in the episode that the episode wasn't really happening. 
that it was happening in his mind and that she was playing a game on him because we, the framing that or not the framing device, but the opening sequence is inside the other girl's head. Right. And then of course she, she, she tries to get into Loki's head and Loki's like, Oh, you can't get into my head. I'm too powerful, but maybe that's all a sham. And now I thought that that is actually what was happening. This whole thing is like, she needed something from him and she's getting in his head so that he will like maybe just reveal the location of this, uh, the device or something. Right. And it's all a long con, but then when she, he goes flying out the window <laughs> and she goes flying out after him at this point, if she's in control of the situation, why is the, why would this scenario play out at all? Right. So I'm like, no, nah, I think I'm wrong on that one. But, uh, but right. I was thinking that for a while that this whole thing was a, was like a long con that she was playing with, you know, she was in his head, getting in his head, mm -hmm. you know, cause she's asking a lot of questions about him. She, he's like kind of talking about his personal life and she's not talking that much about her past. No. Right. She's, so I feel like she is maybe playing him a little bit, but right. like I said, by the end of it, it wouldn't make sense at this point. I think that she's uh, that that would be the point of it, especially the way the episode ends. Like if they had at the very last minute pulled back and she, you know, was pulling some like long con on him, that would have been pretty cool, right. but to leave it on the cliffhanger, it's like, well, what would be the, what would be the point of that? <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, again, the more too during the episode, you start really questioning the TVA Right. And are these even the real timekeepers again? Right. You, know, you start really thinking now with Ravona Renslayer as one of the judges. And even, the, again, the, the whole time twisters, the, the whole origin of the TVA, are these all imposters? Or are right. these the time twisters? They're not actually the true timekeepers even. Because right. you remember that agent at uh, C20, the, the, yep. the man that was hostage, the last episode she was saying the timekeepers aren't who they are. The timekeepers are, you know, come right. kind of thing. So, you know, I, I they keep dropping hints like that, that maybe the TVA is actually the bad guys in this whole thing. Who knows? You know, right. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the payoff. I, I don't know. Like you said, I'm I, the only thing I'm kind of unsure about is whether the TVA themselves. Well, I think I could go a few different ways, actually, rather than just one or two. I think that one is that the TVA thinks they're benevolent, but they're right. actually like, you know, these, you know, fascist overlords, basically. Right. Right. The, the other scenario is that they're not good at all, that they've created this whole structure to, to uh impose their will on the universe right. basically right or and the other option is like what you said maybe who knows maybe the, the real time keepers are captured somewhere right. and there's someone else pulling the, the strings right. right maybe these are the time twisters from that original thor episode right and their the sacred timeline is their sacred timeline right and it doesn't work for them so maybe that's what we're going to see in the end but you know the interesting too is with all the tva employees now actually being variants that right. was Yes, uh, yep. that was a big one. Yeah. Subtly put in. I mean, you could kind of tell in the beginning if you had any insight, like why are they in a bar and like yep. what's going on here? And uh, but then of course they had to explain it a little later in the second half of the episode, and that you know that got me thinking a lot of ways, like yeah. that every TVA agent was actually a variant. Yep. You know, similar to Loki now, and then even Mobius. Clearly, mm -hmm. Mobius was a variant at some point. Right. Was jet skiing at some point in his past, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Some... <laughs> There's the infatuation with the jet ski magazine, yep. you know, and everyone has some kind of personal tie still to everything. And yep. and of course, like I mentioned, Ravona Renslayer was a huge variant uh in the comics that the right. TV was always hunting down. And now here she's a judge. So maybe you work up in the hierarchy of this MCU TVA from you know a lower agent, like maybe a you know, the, the one clerk who collects the Tesseract and the Infinity Stones, and you work your way up to an agent to maybe even up to a justice at some point. So, so it was very, uh, that was very good in a sense of building more 
of what the TVA really is all about here. And that's a little sinister, I think, for sure. That's Absolutely. All- and especially when you consider that they've probably all, and maybe that's also why we saw C20 freaking out that way, is that she's like basically remembering now. She, Sylvie has unlocked her memory of herself, her previous self, yep. which of course, like you said, now she realizes that her whole life is a lie, basically. Correct. And uh, and uh, unlocking, like, you know, if, uh, uh, Renslayer finds out her true identity and Mobius finds out his true identity, et cetera, then, you know, now you have an army, right, that are going to be uh, unraveling this whole thing. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be, and we're at the halfway point. So maybe like now it's like, now we unfold the other other way, right? Right. So yeah. uh, that would be interesting to, to see play out. And yeah. then to find out what is actually going on with the uh, at the tva itself right like what its purpose is right right and even the whole sylvie lady loki um you know clearly the mcu has now just established her as her own entity that she is a loki variant for what i understand she's not somebody who was bestowed magical powers by loki to sort of troll her and she's her own individual so they've used the character and the concept but they've basically now reinvented her for the MCU. So she's a standalone character. You know, as before, all of her magic was basically endowed by Loki. You know, he was the one that gave her that magic, Sylvie anyway. And, you know, again, that was the whole, in the comic Ragnarok, where all the the uh, souls from Asgard descended down on Oklahoma, some town in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and then inhabited all these individuals. So that was the one. That's the comic origin. I mean, we really haven't heard much in the origin of her, but it does sound like she is more of a true variant of Loki, you know, so. That's how I read it, too. I read it as in she is both the variant of Loki and she is like, which I don't know much about, but the the Sylvie character that you mentioned last week, that she is, um, she also is this enchantress, right? This character, this uh, Sylvie character. It simply is in this variation of the storyline. They are the same, right? Um, yeah. And who knows, but, you know, maybe, maybe there is even that extra layer of complexity you described where, you know, she, you know, like the Asgardians descend and are inhabiting other people. Maybe that's where Loki ended up in her body. Right. So that's, uh, you know, it could be that in that variation that, that very, you know, in that timeline, I should say, that is, um, you know, how things uh, played out. Then we want to see who, where, where, uh, where Thor ends up, who, (laughs) what body did Thor end up in that version of the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, know. right. Well, I thought you know, right. She's gonna be. She's coming back for the next Thor movie, right? Maybe, so maybe Jane is actually Thor. See? So. <laughs> it could be, right? It could be that could be where the next Thor movie goes. I I think the the more the one of the more ridiculous things is everyone jumping on their that bandwagon about you know confirming the gender fluidity of Loki and right. obviously the sexuality too, and you know that was pretty much assumed anyway, including you know back and forth Sylvie as well. Right. But they had to just come out and say it now, which which pretty much everyone understood anyway. And right. you know, again, they did it in a subtle way. But you know, again, I think the reaction some people have had now is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, it was pretty much understood. I mean, you saw yeah. even in the first episode on the TVA file, it basically showed that he was gender fluid. You know, right. so, exactly. you know so I. So that was, uh, you know, one other small reveal, I guess, for maybe people. Yeah, and that conversation, right, is a very, it's kind of subtle, right? I, I ha- and I haven't seen the, uh, uh, haven't seen the reaction. I'm curious to see. Uh, mm. I try to avoid, um, in general, I try to avoid, like, I, I mean, in, oh. n- not just because of this uh, podcast, but in general, I try to uh, avoid the uh, conversation on the internet around most things, by the oh, way, because yeah. it just well, seems, just seems to ruin everything. <laughs> yeah, you don't want any spoilers. I, I was going off a conversation I had last night at my son's graduation because. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had seen the episode in the morning and that's, you know, why we couldn't tape last night. Right. And of course there are people that come up and, did you see it? Did you see it? And I'm like, yeah, I saw <laughs> it, you know, and most were just completely confused. They all right. wanted to know what lamentous one was and what right. does it have to do? And 
you know, and I'm like, listen, I, I got no backstory on Lamentis. I, I got to go right. look myself. I mean, I have no recollection of that moon or planet or mining colony, but you know, so, so it's all, it all played out. I mean, it was definitely the shortest episode so far. Yeah. And it did at times feel like it was a little bit of filler, but you know, I think from a plot standpoint, you know, it's got, it's like WandaVision. Now it's, the gears are running in your head trying yep. to figure out now why is this happening why is this and it's you got a whole week now to try to figure out more about the tva you know right it's, right it's kind of nice that mobius wasn't even in it at all because now what's he doing during this whole thing you know and you know what's i missed them a little bit i missed some of the, the chemistry once again it's like disappointment of like what they had set up in the first two episodes they didn't even address where all the the time reset grenades right. went you know they yeah and of course after that episode you know, if you there are blogs where people for screenshot to freeze it and they they try to figure out every location where everyone went. <laughs> right. And again, I, I love the fact that this episode didn't address that at all. It's right. like, nope, exactly. it's not even on the equation because those are all separate time events anyway. Right. This is just real time Loki and Sylvie raiding the TVA slash, you know, escape. So it's, uh, it's a whole nother backstory happening at the same time. You know what uh, I find very funny, by the way, and this is another reason I try not to, uh, and I'm like maybe crit critiquing the whole purpose of having this podcast at all, right? Uh, you know, obviously I want to talk to you in general, like the kind of the backstory of this, but right. I think people who fixate on all these like, little clues, and a lot of times I think they create mysteries that aren't even there mm -hmm. and i and i think it happens so much because of people you know the internet just kind of breeds this kind of thing but like you're saying like the, the idea that now they're going to find some kind of clue in all of those right. various timelines i could be wrong about my uh, theory of it but in my mind i mean i just read it as simple as like she basically created hundreds of uh, you know variant timelines all at the same time as a giant distraction <laughs> because right. you know you're gonna have to mobilize the entire force to kind of correct this the, the timeline right she's right. basically throwing the entire timeline into disarray and that's it I don't think they're gonna go and look at every single one of those timelines and try to you know it's there's some 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 clue in it no. and I and I remember uh, uh, it, it even makes me think about Mad Men when Mad Men was on the air and people were obsessed with that show and they thought there was some giant conspiracy they're like she's actually Sharon Tate it's all gonna be about the Manson murder. I'm like, holy cow, guys, this, this is not what the show's about. <laughs> like, stop overanalyzing. Right, right. I mean, it's always that way. I mean, the, the devil truly is in the details. Right. And people go out of control with the details. I mean, mm -hmm. even stuff as much as, you know, like with the Asbeth with Star Wars, you know, with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically basic, the new, the letter writing language is Asbeth. And, and people always are trying to read signs and graffiti and like, what did that one say? And, and then, you know, sometimes they do have hitting little meanings, right. but a lot of times they're just putting a bunch of symbols up, and make it look cool. You know, <laughs> there's no right. rhyme reason to this stuff, you know, but there were like, I mean, like you allude to after they, even that first episode, there were a whole bunch of other references to things that were just a whole nother level that, you know, if, if you didn't know, like certain numerics, like sequences on some of the buildings in the original TVA site, each had meaning to some of the original comic uh, artists, studios and things in correlation to even uh, uh, Glenn Gronwall, who was the, kind of the Mobius model for the comic continu uh, continuum. You know, he, he was one of Stan Lee's best guys for continuity, you know, mm -hmm. like whether it's, you know, again, like you look at expanded universe, some of these other novels, like for instance, Star Trek, like for Star Trek versus Star Wars, in Star Wars, Lucasfilm had exclusive continuity rights on all those novels 
And the EU really did make a lot of sense, right? Whereas opposed to you take Star Trek with all the novels and it was just all over the place. You know, there was a million different Star Trek, what was canon, what was not. But this guy in the Marvel comic uh, employment was uh, basically the TVA guy. He was the one that always would cross check things. So then, of course, they made him in the image of Mobius in the comics, which you know, <laughs> obviously Owen Wilson embodies now. So kind of interesting stuff there. So there, there are definitely I mean, and even when they do stuff like this, like I think it was I think it was Endgame where the like license plates was it Endgame like mm -hmm. license plates. And there's like numbers that basically the story elements correlate to certain comic books and they put the you know, the initials of the comic book and the number of the issue on right. license plates and in different places. But right. those, in my opinion, even when they're putting it there intentionally, that's right. still just like an Easter egg. It's just saying yeah. like, you know, it's not like saying like, if you, you know, decipher these codes that you have like somehow have an additional storyline. There was one dad last night who told me, oh, do you see the reference to, you know, Return of Jedi? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, well, at one point, Loki says you lack vision or something. <laughs> like when the emperor is ready to to do the the force lightning on on you know Luke, and I'm like, well, he just says you pay for your lack of vision. I, I think it's just a sentence. I don't think there's any relationship. <laughs> right, exactly. To Return of the Jedi here. I mean, right. an Emperor Palpatine, but this is what happens. His fans right. go crazy with this stuff. You know? And even if it's intentional, right? Like even if the person who wrote the line is referencing that, they're just like like saying, hey, isn't this funny? I'm going to use that same line of dialogue. I don't think there's going to be a crossover. They're like, oh, Disney owns Warner, you know, Star Wars, and they own Marvel. There's going to be a crossover. It's like, I don't I don't think so, guys. No, yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So. Although you don't know, Disney could have, there could be, uh, uh, who knows, they could be like, you know, they're going to bring the X-Men and then maybe eventually, though, know, depending on what happens with Star Wars, maybe they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll fold right. them all into one giant uh, mythology. Right. Well, again, maybe, again, maybe Kang is the big bad in this whole thing, too, posing as the timekeepers for all we know. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, does Kang get introduced at the end of this as the main villain? Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm beginning more and more to become suspicious if it's really the timekeepers that are the, the ones pulling the strings here. Right. Or, like you said, are, are they captive? Are they killed? Maybe Kang right. killed the timekeepers already, and now he's taking control of the TVA and run it himself, you know? Well, we shall see. It's all very interesting stuff panning out. It's uh, yeah, yeah. The one thing I'm pretty certain of is that, like you know, at this point, whether the TVA is pulling those strings or not, that they're you know, this is you know, obviously a nefarious uh, organization. You know, uh, it may not have always been like you said; they might have been uh, you know hijacked at some point along the way. So mm -hmm. right, but at what time and when? It's all sort of ambiguous in that regards. You know, even that one agent who's sipping margaritas. I mean, yeah. I mean, how how long has she been? working with the TVA. And, you know, then you start thinking, even with Sylvie working in her mind, they could have a lifetime of trying to extract information, then zip right back to that period. If right. she had that temp, you know, temp pad before it lost its battery, even who knows, you know, you could have been rather than just in her mind, she could have been taking her back even so didn't she say something about it being hundreds of years ago so yes. I, I wonder about because that seems like contemporary times so correct obviously time probably has no meaning where she where they are right, right now anyway I mean, they're talking about margaritas and her dress so you have to figure she's 20th 21st century but clearly she was plucked into the tva and working for centuries now since so right. you know, exactly we'll see yeah it's uh, it's an intriguing episode i an interesting thing too is about the target audience you know, obviously it's young adults, but the kids come into play. And my son, who's 14, who's definitely into Star Wars, definitely into Marvel, he is just not into this series yet at all. He's still, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, he's still kind of bored. It's, he's not, he's getting very impatient 
with the world building. You know, he's right. like, come on, let's get it on. Let's see what happens here. You know, and I'm like, well, that's part of the mystery of the show. It's part of the, you know, it's the kind of the neat exposition and discovery phase of the show, which he's already tired of after three episodes. He's like, yeah, I watched it and I, I don't know if I'm going to watch another episode. So, well, th- did he watch WandaVision? He did. He did. And he watched. Because uh, I found that was more frustrating than, than oh, this has been. Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. Because you were just left in the blind so much. I mean, right. the clues were so subtle. Right. You know, it was really, uh, you know, again, and, and again, I, I think they had to change gears on that. I don't think a lot of that was intentional misdirection. I think it was, uh, you know, basically requirement for misdirection just because of COVID and filming at the end. So, right. well, we'll see. I, I think we only got three episodes to go. So yep. there's only three. <laughs> a lot more has got to happen here for some sort of resolution, which I hope is more than, for instance, the resolution at the end of WandaVision. Right. Because Although there was a climax, it was definitely not the climax I think a lot of people had hoped for, you know, and just sort of. Well, going back to WandaVision, that is definitely, I don't know how much of the earlier episodes were impacted by COVID, other than maybe no. in post-production, like some right. of the editing. The later maybe, ones the right, anything they needed to, uh, you know, if they needed to reshoot things, they probably couldn't. Well, but like, um, but the, the finale, the last episode was completely different. Like people were complaining that there was like kind of things they had hinted out that they don't really pay off at the end. And right. apparently like that whole finale was completely different they like oh, cut the whole, yeah. because they you know basically couldn't they, they were shooting with like two people in the room they right. only had part of the staff back it was like it, they basically rewrote the entire finale so right so, I mean, so I, I there's probably that. a lot more that was supposed to be there that that didn't pay out yeah like cat uh, dennings was trapped yeah. in england she couldn't come back to do right. her parts so then she ends up just trapped in a in a truck you know at the end of that <laughs> right <one>. exactly <laughs> um and then even uh, there were a lot of rumors that you know dr strange would make an appearance at the end mm-hmm. and he couldn't do it either. So that's why they kind of rewrote the whole thing. And I thought it was ironic too, at the end of that episode, she's in a very similar isolated cabin, almost like Thanos was in yeah. Thanos's gorgeous yes. planet. You know, yeah. it was like, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, analogies there even like, wow. Yeah. So, and kind of setting her up as the next villain by being a hermit living. In a exactly. No, I, I thought the same yeah. thing. Cause when you see her out there, like kind of living on her own, you think Thanos right away. Right. And, um, this yeah. is the garden. It's the same scene almost now again, you know? So the so. other thing it made me think of too, as a horror movie fan was when they go into the back of the cabin. Uh, it made me very much think about the way the camera is like kind of roving through the log cabin. And then that back room mm-hmm. made me think of the evil dead. And right. uh, Sam Raimi, the director of the evil dead is directing the next Dr. Strange and uh, Wanda. Yep. movie yeah and uh so i'm like well, i don't think that's unintentional also by the way and this is another easter egg you know as a movie fan is that when they're in the in the last episode when wanda vision of this town is she's basically you know turning the town back into modern day mm-hmm. that there's a moment where you see the marquee on the movie theater mm-hmm. and it says the oz the great and powerful and uh sam raimi also directed that new oz movie a few years back so that's it's definitely it. another wink at uh sam raimi coming to the franchise so <laughs> And all that Oz movie is terrible, jokes. by the way. That, uh, that Oz movie is not good, by the way, but still. <laughs> all these little inside jokes, man. It's great. It's a good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but that's, you know, that's it. It's uh, It was a short episode. It's tough to analyze more than that. And I'm certainly enjoying the ride. You know, yeah. it's uh, and all little Loki's mannerisms and hang-ups, like he can't ride backwards on a train. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's like Kim, by the way. We t- took a train ride together and she was sitting backwards and she uh, got like nauseous. <laughs> oh, so there you go. It's like Loki. <laughs> See that? See that? Yeah, we were we had a we had a meeting the other day uh, off of the site, just uh, the managing partner. And we were talking about things. And, you know, it's funny because 
you know, then you start getting in these same discussions about other movies, you know? Yeah. So uh, one of our PAs asked me about, you know, I mean, spoiler alert, the end of The Shining, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what was my interpretation of the paintings at the end? Yeah. You know, when, like, did that mean that, he was always there as a spirit just inhabiting whoever was there or you know how did that play out exactly and you know i told her i think it's up to your own interpretation of the movie and how, what you thought of the whole thing when it was done you know which is which is a nice way of of leaving that movie you know you can yeah. make up your own ending to some degree or conclusion yep. you know and that's not in um that's not in the book by the way the book is no. very different than, from right. the movie so that's a kubrick adding that to to the to the movie yep. and uh but yeah exactly it's very interesting and i think it's something like you said it, because you have to interpret it in some way right. i think that's why it sticks with you i think it's funny when people complain that something's not too explicit because it's right. like well that's what makes it memorable right. <laughs> is the fact that you still think about it right that's right. That's, that's the I whole mean, point like like the blade runner is deckard yes. a replicant or is he human and exactly. the debate still rolls on even exactly. people still haven't said it and did you see the new one though um i have i saw bits and pieces of it i have not like 2049 blade runner but yeah. I, I have not seen the whole thing yet no i only saw bits and pieces of it you so, should uh, watch it because it's such an amazingly well-made movie it's like really incredibly well-made i don't love what it does to the mythology but it's uh yeah i heard it's a little bit you know, like the last Jedi in that regards to some of these things kind of trashes it all. And, but, and it makes things explicit that maybe we didn't really need to know. Right. So right. think anything else, uh, not much more. No, I checked my much. notes. There was, that really, really wasn't that much to, uh, to cover, uh, yeah. this week, you know? So, but, um, a real quick question for you, just on other comic book properties. So did you, have you, have you seen the boys on Amazon? I, I saw it, but I've, I've not actually watched it. I saw it listed again. It's just a matter of time and what I can pick and choose to do. But um, um, it looks very intriguing. It's kind of neat. You know, it looks like a nice concept, you know. Sort yeah, of. it's 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 very dark. It would probably I mean, I didn't I thought your son was a little older. So I maybe not uh, even even at his age, maybe I, a little inappropriate. For him. You might look at it. Yeah. It's like a more adult version of uh, Mega Man, the the com the movie, you know, with the two. Right, of the, the right. Two but are... but the, the the violence is like, I mean, like they're like the violence is really extreme, right? Like there's yeah. like yeah, I, I, <laughs> and uh, and even more so, by the way, I think I, another Amazon Prime uh, movie a show I recommended to you was uh, Invincible, which is similar yeah. to The Boys. Yep. Uh, yeah. And and the violence in that is even more ridiculous mm-hmm. insane it's like really oh, yeah. over the top but mm-hmm. since it's animated it makes it a little more <laughs> tolerable the, the one other ongoing series right now was the bad batch on mm. uh, disney yeah and i only watched the first episode of that and i thought the first episode was good and then i've fallen off of it yet so i haven't caught up with that one at all yet so to see what goes on there and you know obviously they're trying to fill in gaps and plot holes and things like that <laughs> so there's so much there's so much content out there now it's crazy oh well dave filoni just done a great job with this stuff so it's always good good stuff you know so but all right man well hey i'm looking forward to next wednesday absolutely you know, it went from waiting till friday to now waiting till wednesday, that's wednesdays so. that's right <laughs> nice because once you get done with Wednesday, you're you're almost there anyway. So it's a nice way to <laughs> end right. hump day, right? Exactly. Oh, awesome. All right, man. All right. Thanks, Thanks so much. Until next time. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. So that was our conversation. As far as recommendations go, so what are some things that I can recommend that I've been viewing? If you have HBO Max, which many of you do, if you're listening to this, I believe we picked up most of our listenership during Mayor of Easttown. So if you still have HBO Max subscription and you haven't seen Rick and Morty, definitely watch the first four seasons of Rick and Morty. 
maybe not binge them, but you know, take your time going through them. Uh, it's a really, really hilarious show. It's hard to explain the basic premise of this show if you're not familiar with it, although it's a very popular show, so you probably are familiar with it. I think the original concept was that it was kind of like a perverted version of Back to the Future. Uh, the difference is that rather than being some random inventor like um, Dr. Brown, Doc Brown, you and, and Marty, right? You have Morty instead of, instead of Marty McFly. In this case, it's actually a, a grandfather and grandson, so they've made that variation. But um, stylistically, you know, you have this uh, tall, crazy-haired older man with a lab coat and then, you know, a squeaky-voiced younger guy, Morty, not Marty. So that was the basic the premise of the show. What if Doc Brown was basically a psychopath? <laughs> and honestly, I, I didn't jump on board right away with this, uh, but I'd heard really, really great things about it. But I thought, you know, it was Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, I should say. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, I, I enjoyed some of that content, but a lot of it was just kind of like sarcastic and, and ironic, almost like, like anti-comedy in a lot of ways. And I kind of had this kind of bias before I started watching the show. And what I discovered when I started watching it was that it is like really one of the best science fiction shows out there. It just happens to have some really, really uh, crude humor in it. Uh, they really don't mind pushing any kind of boundaries at all uh, to get a laugh. What it, what makes the, the, the show really stick uh, is this, you know, the, the exploration of these sci-fi concepts at a really, really, some real amazing complexity to these uh, sci-fi concepts and explained in such subtle ways. Uh, I was just speaking today to someone about this episode and thinking about the fact that how, you know, Christopher Nolan, who I am a fan of most of his films, but Christopher Nolan can oftentimes struggle to convey some of these very, very high concept ideas that he has in his films. And these are very long, complicated, two and a half, three hour movies that oftentimes don't successfully pull off these sci-fi concepts. That And what amazes me is that Rick and Morty takes these concepts uh, to much further extremes. A lot of their shows are actually based around popular sci-fi movies. But they take these these concepts and in, incredibly, in, in, in just a half hour episode, are able to explain these concepts and illustrate them and explore these very deep concepts and while never ever not being absolutely hilariously funny. But more than that, and I would say that some of the most popular episodes that the show has, you know, they'll be very gory and the, you know, the violence will be way over the top and you know, the, the humor will be extremely inappropriate. And those are kind of the ones that a lot of times the audience will gravitate to. But every once in a while, there is there are a group of episodes that deal with a much deeper mythology in the show. There's probably three or four of these episodes at this point that are so powerful, that are so interesting in the way they address these uh, ideas that sometimes I, I literally have to think deeply about them after I watch them. It's very surprising they get something this deep. So, and I was just, once again, just talking to a friend of mine this today and saying that this show can oftentimes, I'll go three, four episodes in a row where it's just a lot of coarse humor. They're recycling a lot of the same concepts they've had before. They're still funny, but they're mostly funny for just kind of like, you know, you got to be in on the joke to get a bunch of in-jokes. All those specific episodes I'm referencing there are still worth watching, but they're just like kind of doing more of the same. It's very much a formula that they follow. And then out of the blue, they'll have an episode that is revelatory, like incredibly powerful and literally some of the best TV I've ever seen. So it is uh, quite a interesting mix of things. It has a huge cult following, as you probably know. You know, I recommend that if you haven't caught up with it yet. I was sucked in like by the second, third episode, I was completely hooked in the show. But I would say hang in there. 
uh, you'll know when you get to those episodes I'm talking about later in the season, the ones that kind of are really, truly uh, some of the best sci-fi ever written. And uh, and those episodes are there. Um, so hang in there if you if you don't get hooked in right away. But like I said, I was hooked in right at the right, nearly at the beginning of the series. So really, really great stuff. You can watch the whole thing on HBO. And then beyond that, it is uh, now streaming. New episodes are available on the Adult Swim app, which is how I'm watching the new season. I, I believe it's also available on Hulu if you're watching the newer episodes there. So that's one thing to watch. Another thing I would like to recommend is a horror movie that I saw earlier this year. And this movie, it's calling it a horror movie is kind of a misnomer, but I'll, you know, it, it is branded as a horror movie. I'd rather not, I, I would recommend that folks not watch the trailer. What is often the case with horror movies is they get oversold as being extremely scary or whatever when this is really a psychological horror movie. Honestly, barely defined as a horror movie, but it is, uh, makes, will make you very uncomfortable. And uh, But this is a really, really great movie. It's about a young woman who's a nurse, who is now, uh, something's happened to her in her past. We see a little bit of it in the opening scenes. She's had a, a break with the, her previous life, let's say. And she now is taking care of a woman, a famous dancer, who now is kind of like uh, middle-aged and has cancer. She's probably at the end of her life, and she's getting hospice care from this nurse. And uh, it's the tension that builds between this younger woman and this older woman, and they explore the relationship, the younger, the older woman envying the younger woman, the younger woman envying the older woman. But we also see that this younger woman, this nurse, has demons as well. So she is become very religious because of some trauma that she's experienced. And we see that it is causing personality issues, let's say. And the, and the film goes from there. And the reason I recommend it so highly is that it builds a mood. I, I think horror is so much about having a really great tone management, really. Amazing tone management by the director, Rose Glass. This is her first movie. And I, as I mentioned in an earlier um, podcast when I recommend this the first time, I can't believe how confident this directing debut is. This this woman, Rose Glass, is. Um, uh, it, I can't wait to see what she does next. The tone control, the pacing of the, uh, and the performances she gets from her actresses is really all top-notch. So really like... I think this is going to be a, a, a real talent. And I and I bring it up again now is because it is now easily available. At first, it was v- available to watch. I think it was like a, it was in theaters. So it was when I first recommended it. And it was also available on a network called Epics. So if you had Epics, you could watch it. But this is now available on Amazon Prime and on Hulu also. I think it's available on both. So very easy to, to find. And I would recommend that people watch it if they haven't, if you like horror movies. Like I said, it's not the kind of jump scare horror movie. So if that's what you're waiting for, that's not the kind of movie it is. But if you did like movies like The Witch that are more t- about tone and character, uh, like Hereditary, let's say, for example, if you did appreciate movies like that, this is an excellent companion piece to that type of film. So if that's the, if that sounds interesting to you, I would highly recommend it. The last thing I would recommend is something that is Loki adjacent and also horror adjacent, and it's a movie called Only Lovers Left Alive. And I once again also recommended this recently when we were when we were recommending Tom Hiddleston projects. I had recommended this movie, which is one of my favorite performances of his. And he basically plays a vampire who's very depressed. <laughs> and uh, Tilda Swinton is his longtime companion who they reunite. And uh, he's basically having like a midlife vampire crisis, basically. And um, they are living in Detroit. And you see this uh, desiccated uh, D- Detroit. Um, it, the, the movie's beautiful to look at. 
and uh, you know most of it is just people talking to each other. But it's by Jim Jarmusch. If you do like Jim Jarmusch, this is a really one of his absolute best movies, in my opinion. The performances are great. Tom Hiddleston is great, as is Tilda Swinton, and everybody else in the cast as well. And yeah, it's like a really nice, moody, sometimes funny, sometimes sad, uh, unconventional romance. And I do definitely recommend that one as well. And the reason I bring it up is because it is now also available for streaming on Amazon Prime, or it will be available this week. So uh, it has not been available for quite some time. So I guess now maybe because of Loki, there are uh, all of his properties are now becoming more easily available. And uh, it is available or will be available on Amazon Prime you know, starting in July. So look for it if that sounds interesting or if you've been hoping to see that, catch up with it. Um, that is going to be available very shortly. So that's it for my recommendations and that's it for this episode. I can't wait to see what happens next with Loki. Not a huge fan of this episode, but it is middle. So middle is oftentimes the most, uh, you know, it's a little slow usually and uh, more about character building. And we got some of that in this episode, but I have high expectations for the rest of the series and I can't wait to see what comes next. Once again, make sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode is available. There will be another episode this weekend the music of 1971, beginning that conversation, a very long conversation about a very important year in music. And later this weekend, another episode recap for Evil, and maybe some conversation about The Good Fight as well, which is also now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And please reach out to us if you have any of your theories of your own, or you think we're wrong, you think we're right, can't wait, you have an alternate theory of what's going to happen next. We'd love to hear your feedback. Need some introduction at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.